Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Friday, June 16th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Up until noon today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, celebrate 19 years. Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits in Chandler, Saturday only. Grill steaks, buy two, get the third free. In addition to their weekend specials here, it's a Father's Day weekend, 45-day dry Aged beef tomahawk steaks at $24.99 a pound. Eight ounce average steak skewers at two for $15. Prime pork butts at $3.99 a pound. And prime pork back ribs at $5.99 a pound. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. VonHansensMeats.net. We'll have the $100 gift certificate a little bit later on in the program. But let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is, should the Suns bring back Chris Paul next season? And the masses here are, as it loads, on the no side of things at 65% of the vote, yes, trailing at 35%. Yeah, obviously, uh, he's mentioned that he absolutely wants to stay with the Suns in I think he's being sincere when he says, you know, the family thing and he liked living here and a lot of dude and all that stuff. But the fact that in a few days here, if he's still with the Suns, he gets a fully guaranteed contract for $30.8 million next year. And that's a salary that he's got, has very little chance of approaching anywhere if he's like waived and becomes a free agent. We'll get into some Chris Paul discussion here in just a minute, but let's reset the scene with the Twitter poll question at KDOS AM 1060. The Diamondbacks losing three of four at home to the Phillies. Reason for concern or no big deal. Reason for concern continues to lead the way at 66.7% of the vote. No big deal trailing at 33.3%. I can understand the voting so far. I mean, you kind of remember what you saw lost. Uh, excuse me, saw last, and they lost three out of four in this series. And I don't even think it's really that difficult to make an argument that they played their worst series of the season in the last four days at home against the Phillies team that's playing uh, really well. But, you know, the pitching isn't uh, particularly great. But, you know, the defense, which has been really good all season long, was atrocious. Uh, by any you know you know metrics or non-metrics, it was just bad, and you know three of the four games that hurt them, uh, and uh, you know as far as the offense goes, you know hitting with runners in scoring position. I don't have the exact numbers for the entire series, but you know there were some opportunities that they had, and uh, they didn't deliver very often some of those opportunities. Uh, so. 
We will answer that question around 1130. Still time for you to cast your vote over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Let's get into this Chris Paul discussion here, as you've been alluding to for a while. Uh, earlier this offseason, reports surfaced that the Suns would waive Chris Paul. This, the team has said that that's not exactly what's going to happen. We don't really know what's going to happen. He's guaranteed $15.8 million, and by June 28th, he's guaranteed the full amount of his contract, which is $30.8 million. He told Channel 12 uh, in in them asking if he would like to be back with the Suns, quote, absolutely, absolutely. I don't want to be anywhere else. You've never heard me come in and say I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? But I understand the business of this league, the dynamics or whatnot. So we will see. Here are the options that the Suns have in front of them for what to do with Chris Paul. One, trade Paul either as matching salary in a deal for a big name player or to a team that would plan to waive him Two, keep Paul at the $30.8 million cap figure three waive Paul and attempt to re-sign him, which would set his new cap figure at whatever his new salary is plus the $15 million in dead salary money. So you're looking at about $27.2 million in total or the fourth option waive Paul stretch his remaining salary over five seasons, which lowers the cap amount to about $3.2 million next year. If they waive and stretch, they can't resign him. Yeah. I'm not really well versed in the salary cap things of which I've, you know, I apologize for a long time, but I just think it's a waste of my, you know, valuable time to try to figure out salary caps and team sports because they always seem to, uh, especially in you know, the NFL, seem to find ways to get around these salary cap issues, quote-unquote, anyway, if they really want to. Uh, so we'll see. But as far as this basketball goes, uh, I would think that the Suns would want to keep Chris Paul. I can't imagine a world with campaign as a starting point guard on a good team in the NBA. When you have just, I guess, how viable is it to trade him? Um I guess to a team that's not going to waive him just because of his salary, just because of his age, just because of production that we've seen. Does that really limit the suitors and the the obvious what's coming back to the Suns in return? Well, the one thing that was going on last weekend, at least that I knew about, I'm sure there are other things that were mentioned, but the one that uh, was uh, forwarded to me, let's put it that way, was this sign-and-trade possibility, or at least the notion that there might be a sign-and-trade with Philadelphia for James Harden. Uh, I actually think that would be a really good deal for Philadelphia because I think they need they desperately need a real distributor point guard who is not thinking about scoring points uh, in bunches at some point of a game. I know that Harden had a, you know, he, did he even lead, he might even led the NBA in assist. But he still takes some absurd shots and wants to score some points. Uh, and I know that there's this notion that you know Harden does spend a lot of time in the Valley still, and you know with his ASU ties and so forth. So I get that part, but I think he's just a horrible fit um, with the current, uh, you know, basically Booker and Durant and Harden. You got to be kidding! I don't think there's any chance that that trio could coexist. There's I mean, been a, any chance. <laughs> there's been some other trades that I've seen kind of floated out there, some ideas. Um, the the L.A. connection is always there for Chris Paul, and so I've seen the Lakers getting Chris Paul, the Suns getting Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba. I can't laugh hard enough about that. I mean, you know, 
those guys are going to help the Suns. Then I've also seen the Heat getting Chris Paul, the Suns getting Duncan Robinson, and Victor Oladipo. Well, Victor, that's great. You get a guy who may not play next season in Oladipo. Um, so that that's now this guy that's a salary cap only type of you know, match the salary things. Yeah, you know, and you know Robinson actually, I think would be a good player on this team. Uh, that part I got no problem with because he's you know, a guy that could score and. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, until the postseason, didn't really do much except you know, was just kind of a you know, catch and shoot guy. Uh, so I actually think, considering you know, we're starting with you know, if you're starting with Duran and Booker, uh, that, that that I could see him playing with those two guys for sure. I've also seen here that the Atlantic Atlanta Hawks get Chris Paul and then end up waving and stretching him. They also get Landry Shamit and DeAndre Ayton. The Suns get Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and John Collins. I like Collins. I mean, I've, I don't know how many times I've said that over the years. I even said that when he was in Wake Forest uh, before he was in the NBA. Also, if you're John Collins, I mean, I'm not sure what his thought process is, but I mean, how many trade rumors can one person be over like a three or four year period? I mean, it seems like every 20 minutes he's involved in a trade rumor, whether it's during the season or postseason. Absolutely. I mean, it's insane. Uh, And he's still in Atlanta after all that. The Warriors, I've seen this one, get Chris Paul and the Suns get Jordan Poole. I can't. I mean, there's another thing. I just don't think Poole, you know, what he you know, he wants to score. Um, he he with Durant and uh, uh, this is not nearly as bad a you know, idea as Harden, but it's not that much better than Harden. I just don't see how those three guys could coexist. I'm, I'm uh, I would say that there. I would say there's a slim chance with Harden. There's no chance. I'm sure there's been plenty more other uh, rumor ideas floated out there. The last one that I've seen, uh, Timberwolves getting Chris Paul in campaign and the Suns getting Mike Conley and Torian Prince. Mike Conley's really old, um, but he's actually been pretty good these last few years. But, I mean, if you're just – I don't understand what the thought process with that is at all, quite frankly. Uh, The other thing here is that uh, Chris Paul was asked about uh, Monty being let go, and Paul's sentiments here, quote, it's a business, things are always being evaluated and changed. Monty has been more than a coach for me. He's like my family. I'm happy for him, landed on his feet in Detroit, happy for him and his family, Jarrett Jack, all them guys. You don't spend that much time with people and not have some type of care for them. So for me, it's a business, things happen, things change, and everybody gets a chance to move on Uh, in this statement though and it was i think made official this morning that jared jack is going to be joining monty on his staff in detroit i did not know that um yeah i loved jaron jack as a player uh back in his college days at georgia tech and his nba days and i'm not surprised at all that he's gotten into coaching because he was certainly a smart player We'll get into Major League Baseball on the other side. We'll also take your phone calls, 602-260-1060 as well. Uh, Just want to kind of update things of what's going on at the U.S. Open. Round one of the U.S. Open yesterday saw some unprecedented low scores. You had Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley each shooting eight under par, 62 on this par 70 course. You had Dustin Johnson shooting six under par as well. Thursday's scoring average of 71.5. 
1.38 was the lowest in an opening round in U.S. Open history and the third lowest in any U.S. Open round overall. 85% of U.S. Open winners since 1970 have been within five shots of the lead after round one. That stat is coming from Justin Ray. Uh, there was plenty of sentiment, plenty of... Uh, I guess angst that uh, the U.S. Open was playing as quote-unquote easy as it was. So the question here is how will the USGA continue to set up this golf course to toughen it up as most expect and, and think U.S. Opens are going to be set up uh, to be faced with some frustration to be able to uh, have the winning score four under par, three under par, even something along those nature. So I think at this point with with the the fairways as wide as they are, the way that the the course has been as receptive as it is, they're going to have to just not water the the, the course in order to try to firm it up, to try to play it, to have it play as fast as I guess the expectations were heading into the event. In addition to that, uh, I don't know that there's been certain lies that get really. Uh, gnarly and it's challenging to get it out of the rough. There's been other lies that seem to lay really nice and guys have been able to get out of trouble really easily. So it kind of is just dependent upon the lie that you get in, in a certain circumstance when you do miss a fairway or you do miss a green. There has also been we had discussed how the par threes were very unique. You had a 290-yard par three. You also had the potential for a 70-yard par three. Yesterday, there were two hole-in-ones on that uh, short par three. Today, there's already been one hole-in-one, which is the defending champion, Matt Fitzpatrick. So he hit a hole-in-one here this morning. So we'll continue to monitor kind of those fun things going on. But when you look at the uh, top of the leaderboard, it continues to be Wyndham Clark at nine under par. He's three under par on the day through 12 holes. Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley have yet to tee off. Sam Bennett's at five under par, tied with Tony Finau. Sam Bennett, if you remember, he was the amateur that played at Augusta National that was making noise uh, into the weekend. He has since turned professional, finishing up uh, the college season, and uh, he is sitting in a tie for fourth right now. You continue on down the board. Dustin Johnson's three over on the day, three under for the tournament. Cam Smith is also three under for the tournament. The PGA champion, Brooks Kepka, he's one over par for the championship. Uh, so certainly uh, when you're looking at things in terms of what the cut line might be, uh, he's currently inside the cut line. So it'll be interesting to see if things toughen up as the afternoon becomes apparent or if low scores are going to continue here at this U.S. Open. Um the other thing that's been catching my attention about how people have been, I, I guess, perceiving this U.S. Open is that Los Angeles is kind of this corporate crowd. So the, the fan perception, the fan excitement has kind of been lacking a little bit, if you will. So we'll see how this U.S. Open uh, rolls on. But it is a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The $100 gift certificate still available to you, but not quite yet. Your call, if you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060 is now. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. And we'll also dive into the Major League Baseball action for the weekend. That's all happening here on KDOS AM 1060.
need social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-two here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Cam, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Pete Thamel has a very interesting tweet. Sources... <laughs> San Diego, exactly. Sources, San Diego State gave the Mountain West written notice this week that the school, quote, intends to resign from the Mountain West Conference. SDSU asked the Mountain West for a, quote, one month extension given unforeseen delays involving other collegiate athletic conferences beyond our control. Who might that be? I think the Pac-12. That's the only answer to that. Yeah. So, you know, the television contract thing is still uncertain. That is correct. So, um, in reality, I I, I guess there's really no news here, even though I guess that deadline for them was fast approaching uh, that they had to hit or else they had to owe more money or something along those lines to leave the conference. Um, So, I I guess that's why we're seeing this interesting tweet from Pete Thamel today. I think no news is accurate, but I also think that maybe just confirmation that we're just waiting until San Diego State becomes a member of the Pac-12 here soon. That's possible, yes, for sure. Uh, It is a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, the weekend specials, 45-day dry-age beef tomahawk steaks, $24.99 a pound, 8-ounce average steak skewers at $2 for $15, prime pork butts at $3.99 a pound, prime pork back ribs at $5.99 a pound. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. Uh, A brief look back at yesterday's Major League Baseball scoreboard. You had the Rays topping the A's, four to three but you had mentioned uh Taj Bradley getting the start and he ended up going four and a third four hits three runs three walks and 11 strikeouts yeah the good news is he struck out the first six guys Uh, the bad news he was gone after four and two-thirds innings um that this this game this start itself was kind of just a you know kind of a microcosm of Bradley um he was considered before the season started, maybe the top pitching prospect in baseball that was going to contribute this season, uh, and he, you know, was you know with the parent, you know, with the parent club pretty quickly. I, he, I don't think he started the season on the roster, but if he didn't, he was pretty quick uh, to come up from the minor leagues and start. He had some good moments. Then he had some tipping pitches issues, and uh, to the point where they sent him back to AAA. Uh, since he's come back, like this start yesterday, he's had some dominant type uh, stretches and some is he ever going to get anybody out stretches. So, but they need him. Uh, they need all their you know, available starting pitchers to be good because they've had obviously you know, issues uh, with you know, two starters. Jeffrey Springs is out for the season uh, for sure. I never have exactly heard. Yeah, they they placed Rasmussen on the 60-day injured list uh, way back in uh, May the 12th, uh, and I haven't heard. You know, there was speculation that he might be out for the season, but you know, the, and he's already had two Tommy John surgeries. 
so I think it's probably uh, fool's gold to anticipate or you know, maybe not anticipate, but uh, assume that he's coming back this season. The Angels top the Rangers 5-3. to three. Shohei Otani, six innings pitch, six hits, two runs, one walk, three strikeouts. He also hit a home run in the eighth, and he now has 22 home runs on the season, which is tied for the Major League Baseball lead. Nathan Ovaldi was going for the Rangers, seven innings pitched, five hits, three runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, and two home runs given up. Otani finally won a start. He had been winless in his previous five starts, so he was the winning pitcher. Wasn't that great, quite frankly. Threw a ton of pitches, 30-some pitches in the first inning, in fact. And uh, he was done. I was actually surprised after that first inning that he was able to make it through six. Uh, But he did uh, win the start. He's been unbelievable at the plate. I mentioned this yesterday. I have numbers to back this up now. Uh, that you know, he had another home run yesterday, uh, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he's had a he's got a hitting streak now, 12 games, and you know, he just destroyed uh, the Rangers at the plate in this entire series. And last night it was a 443 foot opposite field home run. Uh, I've never been to that ballpark in the new ballpark in Arlington, and thank God I was never in the old ballpark in Arlington because it, it was like 110 degrees all the time and they played outside. Uh, but you know, he now has uh, 10 homers over the last 16 games, and that ball that he hit yesterday seems like it's nearly impossible to hit where he hit it. The Dodgers and the White Sox. The Dodgers come out on top 5-4 to four in 11 innings. Michael Grove, 5 innings, 7 hits, 4 runs, 1 walk, 7 strikeouts, and 4 home runs. Freddie Freeman ended up being the hero, though, in the walk-off. Right. The, the heroes are the Dodgers' bullpen, of all things. You know, we mentioned yesterday that they're dead last in the National League in bullpen or run average. Also, I heard Joe Davis uh, and Jessica Mendoza is doing some Dodger games now, by the way, which is, you know, an excellent combo there. I heard Joe Davis say last night that they had actually blown, the bullpen has blown 18 leads this season. Well, last night he didn't blow a lead because, as you mentioned, you know, they gave up four home runs, you know, right off the bat. And, uh, but it would, they didn't give up a run uh, in the last uh, eight or nine innings of this game. And it would win 11 innings, so that's a good thing. So they didn't blow this game, but, uh, you know, that they were uh, able to uh, overcome another start from, a, quite frankly, a starting pitcher in Grove who should not be in the major leagues right now. But they don't have much choice. In fact, they're at a point today where they're calling up a guy from the minor leagues and it's going to be a bullpen game to start the series against the Giants. Speaking of weekend series games, you have the Yankees and the Red Sox again. Domingo Herman, 4-3, 3.49 ERA, 64 strikeouts. Tanner Hawk, 3-6, 5.23 ERA, 62 strikeouts. For the Red Sox, though, are we to the point in this series here where the Red Sox will either show what direction they need to go for the trade deadline, or do we already know what direction they should go for the trade deadline? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, they obviously chose not to invest in uh, keeping some of their veterans. Uh, you, know, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, they didn't keep Mookie. And, uh, you know, they, I assume, could have uh, re-signed J.D. Martinez, but he didn't show that much for them the last couple of years. He's been brilliant for the Dodgers so far this season. He's also in a wonderful situation in Los Angeles, uh, most of the time he hits fourth or fifth, 
and he's got Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, uh, you know, Smith, the catcher, and also Max Muncie hitting in front of him or around him. So that if you're going to be a, a designated hitter, that that's a that that's probably the lineup you would most choose of anybody in baseball to be part of, and especially with you know the top five in that lineup or just they're, the, the, that top five in that lineup are the best in baseball. The Blue Jays versus the Rangers. Kevin Gosman, 5-3, and 3.12 ERA, 117 strikeouts. Martin Perez, 6-2, 4.67 ERA, 51 strikeouts. The Rangers, though, are 2-5 and five in their last seven games. They are. They lost, they got, obviously, they lost last weekend, lost two out of three at Tampa, and they just lost three out of four to the Angels. The Angels had been a terrible team against teams above 500 until this particular series. Uh, so the Angels are only the other seven games above 500 now, and I think the question needs to be asked, which I did ask during the ex, during the uh, Sports Zone, that whether they should be taken seriously. And you know, seven games above 500 for the Angels is I'm not sure historically without they haven't been over. I'm guessing they haven't been seven games over 500 in a few years. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, so that's. Uh, that's kind of where we stand on this at this point. And uh, I think that Texas, they, they, just, they uh, kind of struggled right now. First time that they've hit like a rough patch. They're still comfortably ahead, I guess, comfortably, what, four, four and a half games ahead of the division. You know, the Astros are the team that's really suffering right now uh, with some injury situations and Jordan Alvarez not being in the lineup completely changes their team. The Rays are at the Padres. Shane McClanahan, 10-1, 2.18 ERA, 92 strikeouts. Yu Darvish, 5-4, 4.30 ERA, 74 strikeouts at 33-35. How should the Padres kind of perceive this start, the division that they're in, and then as we approach the trade deadline, what do they do? I have no idea what they do. Their offenses, you know, yesterday was a little different because Cleveland, which doesn't score runs, and San Diego, which rarely scores runs, they both scored runs uh, in uh, the final game of the series. You mentioned Darvish. They thought it was curious. Uh, He was supposed to start yesterday, and they moved him back to today uh, against Tampa, and then they end up losing the game that he didn't start yesterday against Cleveland. Uh, they're going against McClanahan tonight. I would have, uh, unless there's something physically that moved him back a day, I don't understand uh, why San Diego moved him back a day against a far better team and got him go against McClanahan, who's, you know, baseball's first 10-game winner this season. He has a 2.18 run average. He's been tremendous. Uh, he's also never faced a National League West team in the regular season, so we'll see how that goes tonight for him. But you know, the, uh, the Padres, their offense is anemic. Uh, and they've got just dead spots in their lineup. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, they've run out of minor league players to trade because they've traded them all the last couple of years for the most part. I know they have a couple guys, but they've gone from like two or three years ago to if not the best farm system in baseball, at least the most prospects, to one of the fewest, and I'm not sure what they actually have to deal at this point uh, to get players that are going to make a difference this season. 
Then you have the Phillies versus the A's. Taiwan Walker getting the start. Six and three, four point six seven ERA, fifty-eight strikeouts. JP uh, Sears, one and three, four point one five ERA, sixty-five strikeouts. I had asked in the first hour, uh, you know about what we think of the Phillies here. They are now above 500, and they have the series with the A's before then they they start uh, a series against the Braves and the Mets yet again. And they never beat the Braves and the Mets. Even this year, they haven't they've lost some games to the, to the Mets. Uh, so, you know, they need to win as many games as humanly possible before they face the two, the two teams in their own division, which have dominated them. Uh, the last couple of years, and in the Phillies, in the Braves' case, I mean that's been like a five-year domination, literally a five-year domination, with the Braves winning the last five division championships. Uh, so they need to win. Yeah, you know, Sears has actually been really good for the A's, but he's pitching for the A's, so he has won almost no games. In fact, I don't think he won a game until last week. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, the A's seven-game winning streak has come to a halt. Here are the last couple of days, and I assume that they're going to go back and be the A's because even bad teams in 162-game seasons have some nice stretches. And finally here, you alluded to this here with the Dodgers and their to-be-determined bullpen game start against the Giants. John Brebbia, 2-0, 3.25 ERA, 35 strikeouts. Well, it's been determined. I mean, they mentioned after the game last night, uh, who, you know, they're bringing up, I uh, got his name here. I really do. I promise I have that. Uh, Sheehan, who I've never heard of, uh, is going to start for them tonight and going to go, you know, see how long he goes. And But it's perceived to be a bullpen arm, a bullpen, bullpen game. Brevi is pretty much an opener for, you know, the Giants. He's, you know, can pitch a few innings, but uh, he's not uh, – a member, a member of a starting rotation that would be feared by anybody. I'm pretty sure this is the first time they faced each other this year in Dodger Stadium. I kind of lost track with the new schedule this year. Uh, there's been years in the past where this would be like their second trip to Dodger Stadium by this time of the season, but I think it's the first series they played in, in L.A. this year. Right now, caller number three, 602-260-1060. You're the winner of the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate. Celebrate Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits 19-year anniversary in Chandler. Saturday only, pick up some grill steaks, buy two, get the third free. 45-day dry-aged beef tomahawk steaks at $24.99 a pound. Eight-ounce average steak skewers at two for $15. Prime pork butts at $3.99 a pound. And prime pork back ribs at $5.99 Five ninety nine a pound are the weekend specials. Visit them two three nine zero North Alma School in Chandler. In addition to check them out online at vonhansensmeats.net. 602-260-1060 is the number. We ans- answer the poll questions on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app.
Congratulations to our winner of the Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate. Visit them, 2390 North Alma School in Chandler, vonhansensmeats.net. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Friday, June 16th, and it's now time to transition our our attention to the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS 1060.com poll question, which is, should the Suns bring Brett Chris Paul next season? Yeah, I'm going to kind of uh, you know try to explain this. I, I fully understand uh, the salary cap. Well, I don't understand, but yeah, I, I understand there is a salary cap part to this and the implication of it uh, at you know $30.8 million if he's still here, at least it's fully guaranteed if they honor the current contract and don't waive him and try to bring him back. But basketball-wise, I think that they would be crazy if they let him go. I think that he still has a purpose, especially on this team. Now, granted, uh, defensively, you know, he's not a good on-ball defender anymore. He's still savvy enough to play passing lanes and you know, strip some guys off the dribble occasionally, usually not his man. Uh, but he is still a tremendous distributor of the basketball, and they've got you know guys that can score as you know, currently constructed on this team. Obviously, Duran and Booker and Aiton and him have a nice rapport with the screen roll situation at the offensive end of the floor. So I think just basketball-wise, I don't think there's a player out there that would be available, at least for one year, that would be a better point guard and run an offense and get guys the ball where they need to get the ball more than Chris Paul. This is a tough one because you're certainly not in a position. You're not in a good position salary cap wise, uh, bringing him back or trying to build around Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker, which you've identified as as the players that you're certainly going to be uh, building around. So you're not in a good position here money wise. Uh, I think they do need to get younger. You can't predict health. You can't predict uh, all of that moving forward. But there's certainly a great Great need for being available in the most important games. Uh, Chris is still so smart. He's still so smart on the court uh, and and able to get guys in the right plays. It, it sounds like there there has been a drop off though in his production, at least scoring wise, from what we saw last season to this season. And there's obviously been a drop off in his defensive prowess, especially since he first got into the league. He was a very good defender. Uh, so there's certainly things here where you're looking at the salary cap though and saying who can you shed to make room to bring somebody else in. And I think it kind of goes back to the similar thought process around everything is on the table when we were talking about DeAndre Ayton and I feel like everything has to be on the table here with Chris Paul the problem is is that you still owe 15 million dollars 15.8 million dollars regardless of the situation here Uh, or if you waive him you can stretch it out over five years but then you don't get him so is there somebody else that you know you can get because the point guard position is so important and so premium to what you need to do to build this roster so they have some pretty big decisions ahead but it's hard to swallow $30.8 million uh, for him to play next season. I understand that. Um, that's for sure. I'll just add one other thing. 
And one of the reasons I think the Suns are you know, in a little more salary cap uh, dire situation than they should have been is it was a stupid move to sign campaign to a big contract extension uh, a couple of years ago based on a you know, nice you know, you know, few games in the bubble that one year. Then he had a pretty good season the year after that. But quite frankly, I think we've, uh, you know, hopefully people have learned, even though it doesn't seem like a lot of people in the Valley have figured this out. Uh, campaign's not a starting point guard in the NBA. He do- can't defend. He's not a particularly good passer for a guy that's a point guard. And if he's not scoring, he's really hard to keep on the floor for positive, you know, a positive effect on the team while he's out there. The masses are on the no side of things at 64% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 36%. That's the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060. The Diamondbacks losing three of four at home to the Phillies. Reason for concern or no big deal. Can I say somewhere in the middle here? Uh, <laughs> I know that's that's not what the options are, but I, I don't. I was gonna say I don't see that option there. I just see reason for concern, no big deal. So make a choice. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I think it certainly exposed some of the the pitching issues that we we know we we know that they're there. Whether it be uh, the other starters besides Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen, whether it be kind of some inconsistencies with the bullpen night in and night out. So they got exposed there from the Phillies lineup but we knew that those existed so it's not anything earth shattering um this team though continues to just find ways to get it done i realize losing three or four they didn't but that just seems to be the nature of them well and i feel like we've had a previous question about a series that was a struggle and then they bounced right back so that's at least kind of been what we've seen so far throughout the season um the question i have though is that should our panic meter have changed because did our expectations change as this team improved the way that it did this season? And was that fair for our expectations to change? Should they have changed? And so I'm, I'm going to say that I don't think they should have changed despite the record and the start that they had. So I don't like no big deal, but I would lean more in that direction than reason for concern. Okay, I'm going to be a little stronger here. This is no big deal. Um, they did play a poor series. Their defense, which has been tremendous, uh, you know, just by the eye test, you know, statistically, if you go old-time stats, if you go, you know, you do the, uh, you know, the metrics thing, they graded out well in that. Uh, but their defense was not good at all in three of these four games, and uh, in three K, in really in all three losses contributed to them losing including yesterday when Ryan Nelson, among many not good things, just didn't even cover first base, which cost him a run. And he has no margin for error to make mistakes like that. Uh, He has no margin for error for pretty much anything. But this is not a big deal. As I mentioned, we were discussing the A's earlier. It's a 162-game season, and uh, everybody's going to have a hot streak, and they've had that. And it's a 162-game stretch, and you're going to have teams that are good that just don't look good for a while. And unfortunately, these were four games at home, and the Phillies are playing well. And uh, you know maybe it was uh, an expected result. Certainly, the odds makers and uh, the betters are not that surprised because they still fail to recognize that the Diamondbacks are, quite frankly, 
anything other than just barely above average. And a lot of that's based on pitching matchups. And unless Gallon and uh, and Kelly are pitching, the Diamondbacks are either a small favorite or an underdog in almost every game that they still play. Uh, so we'll see what that see if that changes anytime soon. Probably not. But it uh, this this just based on these last four games, I don't think it uh, should be considered a big deal of what we just witnessed. The masses are on the reason for concern side at 63.2% of the vote. No big deal sitting at 36.8%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We will wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. But once again, it is the Diamondbacks versus the Guardians game on Sunday, June 18th. And you can spend the day with Dad at Chase Field. The first 15,000 dads to the D-backs game against the Guardians will receive a Father's Day Hawaiian shirt courtesy of Budweiser. Secure your tickets now by visiting dbacks.com slash dad. The game gets started at 1.10 p.m. from Chase Field. One more segment to go right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KTUS AM 1060 and KTUS1060.com. of this Friday, June 16th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. But it's that time once again. It is. Thank you, time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, singular, uh, Diamondbacks Guardians uh, weekend preview with uh, Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians. Also Monday, by the way, in the Sports Zone at 9:15, uh, we'll uh, get uh, Howard Bolzer's thoughts about the Cardinals offseason and whether he learned anything out, uh, th- learned anything, and obviously a lot of experimental things uh, with the uh, new coaching staff, etc. So we'll get into that with Howard. On Monday, sound of the day, courtesy of Valley Sports Arizona, ESPN, NBC, NBC Sports Washington, uh, WFAN, and also KLAA. That's the Angels flagship in Los Angeles. And a special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Coming up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, but also time for like a little happy birthday jingle, right? Oh, Lord. No, I'm not singing. Yeah. We don't need to hear that. You're not? You're no. Not? No one needs okay. to hear that. I'm sparing everyone. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. So 
I appreciate the uh, the recognition, I guess. There you go. Uh, the Diamondbacks yeah. versus the Guardians tonight. Tristan McKenzie versus Zach Allen, 6.40 p.m., Bally Sports, Arizona. What do you want to see from Zach Allen tonight? Um, a little more consistency. He's had a couple starts that have been a little shaky here lately. I mentioned the odds makers still don't believe in the Diamondbacks even tonight. With Zach Gallon on the mound, they're only basically like an eight to five favorite. No, actually, less than that. Excuse me, seven to five favorite. Uh, I'll get this right. Seven and let's go seven and a half to five favorite. Just looking at numbers a little further here. McKenzie is an impressive pitcher. He's only two starts, and this will be his third start coming off the injured list after he was injured at the end of spring training and missed the first roughly two months of the season. Uh, he's a very difficult pitcher to hit when he's on. He's had one really good start so far since he's come back and one not good start at all. Uh, but Gallon a little inconsistent and wasn't very good at all in his last start Sunday against Detroit. Should have been the losing pitcher. He pitched well enough to, or pitched poorly enough to be the losing pitcher, but that's the game that uh, the Diamondbacks rallied for the five, four runs, four runs, of the five runs, whichever it was in the ninth inning to win the last game against the Tigers. Uh, the U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club. Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley sitting atop of the leaderboard at eight under par. Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley teeing off in the one o'clock hour today. Uh, you just had Rory McIlroy rolling in a birdie, getting himself back to even on the day. Five under for the tournament. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, he shot three under par yesterday. That's good for a tie for 11th right now. Uh, he'll tee off as well, 143 today. Bryson DeChambeau also shot three under par. Max Homa, we had mentioned uh, him as being someone from California, and he had set the course record back when he played in the Pac-12. It may have been the Pac-10 when he played. Not 100% certain on that front, but uh, he shot the, the course record 61 back then. He shot two under par. It's good for a tie for 17th right now. Uh, so the U.S. Open, we'll see how things unfold for the rest of today, how high the cut line will end up. If the course gets a little bit tougher over the weekend, we'll see how it all shapes up and have some uh, thoughts on it on Monday as the third major championship of the season will have concluded. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Happy Father's Day to everyone. And we will talk to you on Monday. It has been The Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you.